Well, good morning. Happy Sunday. Yeah, isn't it a great day to be in church? It's good. A few of you are glad you're here. The rest of you are wondering why you're here. Well, it's great. If this is your first time here, maybe it's been a long time. Uh, I just want to say welcome. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, Brother Gordon, thanks for being nice to me this morning. We've got, we got a Tennessee fan in the house. I feel like we have a limit on how many we allow in here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, it is a good day to be here. If you were with us last week, we uh, talked about uh, two church plants that the family here at Greenville First has helped to launch. Uh, today, there is actually another one launching, a forward church in Myrtle Beach, because we just believe uh, that, that the local church is the light in the darkness. And so we have an opportunity to help reach into places that we can't go physically ourselves, but uh, through your generosity, we're able to, to help. And so we got a video from one of the churches we helped to plant last week. They launched Vivid Church in Lexington, South Carolina. And so they sent us a little message this morning. So we'll play that before we get started in today's message. How's it going, Greenville First? It's Alan Kendrick here, and I'm standing in the brand new facility for Vivid Church. I want to thank Pastor Josh and Brittany, the entire staff, and you as a church for financially investing into this brand new church here in South Carolina. I'm telling you, we had launch Sunday. Pastor Josh and Brittany were there the day before hanging out with us, and we had 363 people attend our church across four services. We had six people say yes to Jesus. Come on, that's something that you can get excited about. And we had 20 people that filled out a Connect card to be added to our family for the first time. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done, for praying for us, for investing into us. And I want you to check out this Vivid Church Launch Sunday recap video so that you can be included in all the fun. Isn't that great to see what God's doing in other parts of the state through your generosity? Praise God for that. And then I do want to tell you, uh, I had them pull this from the highlights because I wanted to talk about it. If you're from the state of South Carolina, you'll understand the location that I'm about to talk about here in a moment. But uh, yesterday, all of the ladies of the church had their little sisterhood morning. And uh, no, it was a great time. And all I've heard is positive from the women who were here and just the Lord deposited some things into their lives. Uh, but us men, we can't be outdone. And so we're not going to do a morning, we're going to do a weekend. And so uh, we're going to this wonderful place called Possum Kingdom, South Carolina. And uh, it is a real place. 
Let me just tell you, it is, it is special. And uh, if, you, if you've grown up in this church or the Assemblies of God, it's our state campground is there. It's a, just a beautiful piece of property. And so we are going to go. Uh, our men are going. It's going to be a Friday night and Saturday till about 3 o'clock. Uh, so that for all of you who root for the uh, team in the upstate can get back for your Notre Dame game. And uh, we're conscious of that, okay? I understand. Uh, pastoring in the South is a challenge when it comes to football season. And so, uh, anyways, I, I had to have a little extra coffee this morning myself. Um, but we would love for you to check that out. You can stop in the lobby. We have little flyers. Uh, it, everything's on our website, and you can register today. Uh, but we love all generations. We want to be there. Dr. Chris Owen's going to be in town and investing in the men of our church uh, that weekend. So it'll be special. Carve out some time. And we're like shooting skeet and eating barbecue and just doing manly things. So uh, just come hang out with us. And even if you don't like that, still come. It's great. Luxury accommodations in Possum Kingdom, South Carolina. <laughs> True story. I, I, I'm just going to digress just for a moment. Uh, I remember when we were going to camp growing up, Possum Kingdom Tanning Salon. Do you remember that? It was just like a, a broken down, rusted out building on the side of the road. I'm like, I, if you go to tanning salons, great. That is not where I'm going to, to get a suntan. So, uh, well, hey, we're continuing in week three of our series, Neighborliness. If you've been here for any of the past weeks, um, week one, Dr. Dukasin, who wrote the book, Neighborliness, you can get it, pick up a copy in our resource center. He, he began to challenge us on how do we find beauty across dividing lines. The greatest commandment uh, that Jesus gave us is to love God with full passion and love our neighbor. And so how do we do that in society and culture and times when there's more division than there is unity? And how do we be the neighbor that God wants us to be? And then last week, uh, I, I spoke and, and encouraged us to begin to try and answer this question, who is my neighbor? And that starts with an internal look in our heart and how are we checking our life to make sure that we are being the neighbor that God has called us to be. And today, the title of the message is Be Strong and Courageous. Be strong and courageous. And so we're going to pick right up in uh, the book of Joshua, chapter 1. If you have your Bibles today and uh, reading a few verses here, uh, starting in chapter one, verse one it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses aid. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan river into the land. I am about to give you uh, or give to them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. 
Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that your word is alive and well and challenging our hearts and minds. Would you speak to us today? Would we have open hearts and open minds and open ears that we would be stirred by your spirit today and will we be challenged by your word today? In your name we pray, amen. Now there is something in my young life that I have figured out and it is that when there is a difficult situation, we have an a option of how we view that difficult situation. If we're staring at a mountain in our life, we can be discouraged by the mountain that is standing in front of us, or we can recognize it for what it is, and it's just another opportunity for God's faithfulness to show up in a big way. The bigger the mountain, the bigger move of God that is possible. Because scripture even talks about in our weakness, he is made strong. So in our times of trouble are where we can see God move in the, in the greatest way. But when we're staring at those mountains, oftentimes we are discouraged, we're fearful, we're struggling. And that's where we find the Israelites in this moment. They are terrified because Moses has died. And you may say, well, how do we know that, Pastor? Because God had to repeat himself three times to be strong and courageous. And as a dad, these moments of talking to my children, I can, I can connect and see what God is doing here. Just last week, we have small group on Sunday nights, and, uh, and so the kids go out and they are playing on the, the swing set, the play set in the backyard, and you know our oldest, Cohen, he's six, and you know, he doesn't want to just swing normal. He wants to like lay on the swing and spin around. Have you ever done that? You, you know what I'm talking about? You spin around, you tighten that. It's, it's tightening the spring all the way up and then you let it go and it spins you back the other way. If you haven't done that, I don't care how old you are. Go to the park and do that. You just experience it one time. But here is the problem. There is another swing right next door to that swing. And so as Cohen is spinning around, one of his friends from small group is swinging the proper way. And all of a sudden, Cohen's head collides with his friend. And uh, so if you see my son today and he has a big knot, I told first service, I'll tell you, it was not Brittany. Okay. Uh, but he got a goose egg. And here's what happened. We didn't see what took place. All we heard were the cries and the screams and the, and the tears of our child. And it's like, what do you do in that moment? I begin to look at Cohen. I'm holding him tight. Buddy, it's okay. It's okay. Just calm down. Just calm down. It's going to be okay. What happened? You know, you're trying to sort through, but you're also trying to bring a calm because in the anxious moment... He couldn't see any, he didn't want ice, he didn't want anything. He just wanted to cry because he was so like, he didn't even know what part of the body part of his buddy hit him. I mean, he, he still can't tell. So I'm like, how many fingers am I holding up? Are you all right, bud? You know, let's, let's check and make sure you're good. But this is the same thing we see with the Israelites here. They are terrified because Moses, their leader, has now died and God's got to tell them, be strong and courageous. Calm down it's going to be okay. 
And I feel like this is the time for us as a church where things are getting more and more difficult. Things are becoming more and more divided. If I'm going to be honest with you just for a moment, as a pastor, I am terrified every message that we've had in this series, and praise God, Brittany's closing it out next week, so I don't have to be scared next week. But we live in a society where I have to make sure, like, Holy Spirit, speak through me. Because I can say the wrong thing and I can offend a bunch of people. I cannot say the right thing and in silence miss an opportunity to be obedient to what you've asked me to do. And there is this tension that I have felt in this anxiousness, even in my own spirit, as we're talking just about this simple command of how do we love our neighbor? But all it takes is for us to turn on the news or to read the paper or to get on social media for a moment to realize that there is a toxic division that is happening all around us. How do we as the church navigate that? And I believe the word of the Lord is very clear and he's saying, be strong and courageous. Not be silent and be comfortable. Not hold steady and don't do anything about it because that's the easier option. But this is the time for the church to embrace God's word and what he's saying to us. See, Jesus says we have to love our neighbor, but it is getting messier and messier. Circumstances around us keep creating these greater divides versus building bridges. But I believe that the gospel message is for us to build bridges of hope, to journey with people from where they are to where Jesus wants them to be. That's our mission what God's mandated for us. And so even in those moments of us getting anxious or us looking at at, at the, the mountain in front of us and becoming fearful, God is saying, be strong and be courageous. Now, I feel like there's a little bit of gold I just want to highlight here for a moment. We'll get into the rest of the message. But there, there's a statement in this passage of scripture that I was drawn to that says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, they knew that. God didn't have to tell Joshua that Moses died. Joshua was fully aware. But here is what we find. Why would God tell him in this exact phrasing, Moses, my servant is dead? Because, church, we have a problem, and the Israelites had the same problem, that we put our hope and our faith and our trust in people or things rather than the creator of the universe. And here's what God's saying when he says, Moses, my servant is dead. He's telling the Israelites, hey, Moses is dead, but I'm not. And church, I think sometimes we need to come back to the basics of understanding that all those things that we put our hope and our trust and our faith in that we shouldn't, but they'll fade. Things will change. But one thing will always remain constant, and that is the sovereignty of our God. And so although we may, we may fall guilty and, and, and we may be like everybody else and we put our trust in the wrong things, God is saying, I'm not dead. I'm still on the throne. And church, we know how this story ends. So it's a lot easier for us to find strength and find courage even in the most difficult of times. God's command here to be strong and courageous. So you may say, well, pastor, what does that have to do with me today? How does that have anything to do with loving my neighbor? How does that have anything to do with being the neighbor that God wants us to be? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to answer that today. 
And the first thing in truth that we find in this passage is this, is that the time is now to step out. We see in verse 2, he says, now then. He doesn't say a week from now. He doesn't say next month. He doesn't say a year from now. He says, now. You and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. Church, it takes courage to step out. But you know the hardest step is always the first one. Possum Kingdom, I have, we have wonderful memories because we grew up going to camp there uh, every summer. And, and uh, there's this thing that it's a zip line there. Any of y'all, any of y'all, do they still call it the Screaming Mimi students? Do they still call it the Screaming Mimi or they just call it the zip line? They don't even know. They don't pay attention. They're not paying attention to me right now. No, I'm just kidding. I see the nods. Thank you, students, for being here. We love our students. Uh, but there's this zip line. So you, maybe you haven't been there before. Let me paint this picture. And I asked for some audience participation in the first service to try to educate me on how tall this zip line was. Because I don't know if you've ever jumped off of a zip line. This zip line goes into the middle of this abyss of a lake. I, nobody knows how deep it is. Nobody knows what's in there. Loch Ness Monster probably is there, you know, the distant cousin. But come to Man Weekend. It's going to be a wonderful experience, I promise. It's going to be great. But here's the deal. There, there is this tower that is prob- anywhere ranging from 15 to 30 feet. That's what we agreed upon first service. I don't know if you've jumped off a 15-foot platform before, but 15 feet feels a lot taller than... You say, ah, oh, 15 feet's nothing. 15 feet is a lot. <laughs> 30 feet is really, really tall. So it's probably like 22. I don't know. But there's this platform, and you crawl up, and, and all of a sudden they tell you to grab hold of these handlebars, and you're looking down, and there's rocks before it's deep enough. <laughs> For real. And you're just trying to muster up enough courage. And if you're a student at summer camp, you're looking behind you like, oh, is that girl like watching? Like, I can't, I can't stall out, you know. <laughs> I better jump or it's over, you know. And Lord help you if you're one of the poor souls who got up there and then walked all the way back down, the walk of shame, you know. So you get up there and you're, and you're staring out and you're looking and you grab hold of these handlebars and all it takes is the first step and here's the miracle that happens in that moment is the momentum carries you to right where you're supposed to be. There's so many of us that are just afraid to take the first step and that's all God's asking. Just trust me enough. Be strong. Be courageous to take this first step. Often, I think in our current day, we don't know what it's really like to love our neighbor the way Jesus was commanding us to. Why do we have to talk about it in 2020? Because we're still getting it wrong. But here's what I know. God's telling us to be strong and courageous. We don't have to know all 15 steps of where we're supposed to go and where it's supposed to end. All we know is God's in control. He's sitting on the throne and he's asking us to take a step of faith. That's it. The time is now to step out. One pastor said this, to have courage to step out, we must have a clear assignment from God. Well, here's what I know. We already have that assignment because Jesus told us to love God with full passion and love our neighbor as ourself. He's already given the mandate. He's already given the instruction. But here's one of the themes and and, and, and part of what we talked about last week and Dr. Dukeson talked about the week before is this mandate 
to bring justice where there's injustice. That's, that's a part of our, our mandate to love our neighbor. And so the past two weeks, we've mentioned this concept. We're not talking about social justice. We're talking about biblical justice. Well, I understand that because I'm studying and I'm prepping to deliver the message. And it just, a light bulb went off this week. And I realized our church may have no idea the difference between biblical justice and social justice. So let me tell you just for a moment. I'm going to take just a two-minute pause here just for a minute to, to kind of get you up to speed so you can understand and really get behind what Jesus has commanded us to do. And it's this. Justice is just making things right. That's it. That's the simplicity of justice. So what is biblical justice and what is social justice? And I'm going to read it so I don't mess it up. Biblical justice is where our sense of justice is imparted to us by our creator God. He is loving, kind, and merciful. He is also righteous, holy, and just. And social justice is this. One, one definition says it this way. It's promoting a just society by challenging injustice and valuing diversity. That sounds great. But here's the difference. The difference between biblical justice and social justice is who determines what is right. So church, social justice may do some great things, but I want to seek biblical justice. Because biblical justice is the God-given mandate that pursues righteousness, that exhibits mercy and compassion and kindness, but it is according to God's word, not just the justice that we need to talk about for the day and in the moment. God defines what's right. All of a sudden, it changes the temperature of the conversation Oh, this isn't, this isn't a political, this isn't a social. No, this is God's mandate for us to love our neighbor. And where there is injustice, that pursuit of loving our neighbor is to help bring justice to the injustice. But according to God's word. See, I think that when we can recognize as a church, as a big church, big C church, that's the global church, that we have an opportunity to step out and the time is now, then all of a sudden we can possess the strength and the courage to do what's right. I was so encouraged yesterday by, I don't know if any of you had the opportunity to even tune into Facebook, but to watch the tens of thousands of people that were gathering in our nation's capital. I think there are two events going on at the same time there. But to repent that we have, we have missed it and to pray and say, God, move and heal our land. Church, the time is now for us to step out. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. We can't wait until we figure out this 50-step this plan and our, our next 10 years and what that's going to look like. We'll never be able to get there if we don't step out. And the time is now for us to do it. God will give us the clarity He'll, he'll awaken. That's why we talked about it. It starts with an internal look in our heart and to look at others around us and say, God, how can I love my neighbor in a greater way? How can I be a part of this? And your injustice in your circle and in your world may look different than the injustice that I'm exposed to or that God reveals to me. So that doesn't devalue what you see or what's in your circle or what God wants you to be a part of. We all have this mandate. We all share it. And God, I believe, will reveal what's right 
So whether it's for the addicted, whether it's for the poverty-stricken, whether it's for the divide racially within our community, whatever that looks like, God will give clarity. You just have to take the step, and the step's now. But I think for a lot of us, we, we can tend to ignore that there is injustice in our world. Why? Because I believe it's a trap of the enemy that it distracts us from God's plan. But can I tell you, and, and, and I'm embarrassed to even share this story, but about 15 years ago, there was four of us, um, and three of us were Caucasian, and one was one of my black friends, a childhood friend, who is still a dear friend in my life today. And we went to a restaurant here in the upstate of South Carolina, and for the sake of that restaurant and people not <laughs> blowing that restaurant up, uh, not literally, but, you know, I just, for the protection of the guilty and the innocent, um, we go to this restaurant, and I don't know if you've ever experienced something that you walk in the door and you realize that you're at a party that you weren't invited to, or you were someplace that you're just not welcome. And I remember the four of us walk in and not really recognizing at the time, I, I was probably 17 or 18, not realizing what was taking place in that moment, but all I knew is we weren't welcome for some reason. And we sat down at the table and three of us were given normal dining plates, and one of us was given a paper plate of which he was served on. Now, church, this is, I'm 35 years old. Let us not become guilty of just thinking injustice was a thing of the past. I'm not saying, I, I pray against the spirit of racism because it's evil and it is full of sin. But it's still prevalent. We still live in a dark world. I think sometimes we get so frustrated because we're expecting the world to be Christ-like. We're responsible for making the world Christ-like. The world's dark. We have a mission inside of us to illuminate the darkness. It's out there. We can't bury our head in the sand anymore and say, well, it's just not happening. It, it is, and it's in our backyard. I'm not telling you to go conquer the world and take 10 steps today. I'm telling you to take one, and the time is now in your circle and in your neighborliness that you should exhibit, what does that look like? And the time is now for that. Dr. Dukeson says in his book, understanding the danger of silence leads to using our voices to love our neighbors. Courage and strength just to take a step. I know that can be terrifying. You may feel like you're standing on the platform ready to jump and you're just not sure that it's but God's been stirring. We even had people after the first service say, Pastor, you're speaking the same thing the Holy Spirit's been digging in my heart. I can't paint that picture for you. You know what God has been speaking and dealing with you. And I just believe he has called me to tell you this morning that the time is now to step out. Whatever that is. And I know it can be terrifying, but here's the second point this morning. Is that God will not abandon you. It says in verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's the comfort is that God never calls us to do anything apart from him. I'm going to say that again so you can understand and, and, and process this. God never calls us to do anything apart from him. So when we feel like we are outside of the covering of God, it's probably because we've outkicked our coverage. 
And if you understand football, you know what that means. You punted the ball too far. You went too far, and the defense isn't there to protect you in that moment. And that's a danger zone. See, so many times we're making steps with our own journey and our own agenda, and we're not really following with what God has called us to, because if God's called us to it, he is with us. He will not abandon us. He will not forsake us. But courage doesn't mean that you're not afraid. Courage just means that you're more afraid of God than you are of your circumstances. In a healthy fear. This isn't a terrifying, I'm afraid of what God's going to do if I don't do this. No, it is a healthy fear of trusting in the Lord more than you trust in your environment. It means that you trust in the divine more than, the, than you trust in the land. See, when we look at the Israelites, here's the great thing. He had already handed them the promise. He already said the land is yours. Church, we know how this thing ends. We keep expecting things to get better, but you know what? When I read scripture, it says that things are actually going to get worse. So let us stop pretending like, well, that doesn't feel good, pastor, so I really want things to get better. It's going to get worse, but the command does not change for us to love God and us to love others. So that means even when it's getting worse, we still have to trust that God will not abandon us and we have to stay on his path that he's paved for us. And trust in him. Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Not find strength in yourself. This isn't a pump you up. You can do this. This isn't a locker room talk of, hey, let's get out there and let's do this church on your own strength and in your own might. You have to have the confidence that God's not going to abandon me. And then you can have the understanding of what you need to have the strength and the courage that he's asking of you. Be strong. And courageous. So many times we get on this journey and we become weary. If you're a parent in the room, it reminds me of just hopping in the car with the kids and driving anywhere for a long distance and you begin to get that question, are we there yet? Because your kids in their immaturity get weary. They don't understand where you're taking them. They get weary on the journey. And it's the same cries that we have as believers. You don't think my, I, I, I've had prayers of, God, are we done with this yet? What else can come in 2020? I shouldn't even say that publicly because there's still too much time left. But have you felt that this year? Like, can this year just be, I cannot wait till January 1st, 2021, and let's turn the page. Because this year has been crazy and, and just not normal at all. But we can get weary but we can also find our strength in the Lord. That it does not matter what comes our way, we can be strong. It does not matter what we're facing, we can be courageous. We all have everything we need for the journey ahead. And it's in the creator of the universe. And here's the great thing. Is we don't just have God riding in the car with us. God is our navigator if we'll trust him. But see, years ago when phones started to talk to you, I don't know if you remember that. Students, a long time ago, you had to hit like five buttons to like uh, get the right letter to text. And then there was a time even before that that texting wasn't even a thing. But then phones started to talk to you. And I'm horrible with directions, so I loved this. My phone can tell me where I'm supposed to go. 
But here's the thing. I'm married to a woman who is great at directions. And she nicknamed my navigation Jezebel. <laughs> and there were just a few times, just a few. I'm just going to say it's a few. It's probably a lot. But a few times of where I began to trust Jezebel more than I trusted the best navigator that could be in my car. And there were times that I missed exits and I missed turns. Why? Because I was listening to a little device rather than one who knew exactly where we needed to go and the turn we needed to make. Church, how many times do we find ourselves in that situation? Where we're, we want to put our trust in things around us. We want to put our trust in what the world says we should be doing right now. or what, And we have muted the voice of God. He is our navigator. He's in the vehicle. When we invite him into the vehicle, he's in the vehicle and he's not just along for the ride, but he's along to lead and guide you and he will not abandon you. See, we go back to this. If God's greatest command is to love him with full passion and love our neighbor, then the enemy's greatest attack is to distract us from God and to divide us from our neighbor. But God is with us. It doesn't matter how insurmountable that mountain may look today. God is with us and he won't abandon us. We got challenges. I was talking about it with a good friend the other night. How the extremes that we see right now. If you are here last week, we, we said extremes are easier. The middle is messy. But here's what's happening right now. The extremes are making it more and more difficult for the middle to even take place. We see an extreme, so we don't, we don't want to be in the middle because we feel like the middle is close to that extreme. Well, rebuke the extremes because the extremes are dis- dividing us and distracting us from the mission of which God has called us to, and that is to love our neighbor. That means it may be sitting down across from, from somebody that disagrees with you or thinks differently and beginning to have a conversation. But if you find the extremes, you may as well just put them in a cage match and let's pay a pay-per-view and watch it. Because there's nothing going to be done except destruction in that moment. But I believe that God has called us to build bridges through loving our neighbor. God will not abandon you in that process. Don't grow weary. He's calling us to love our neighbor, love more, and we have to be strong in him. And lastly this morning is this truth, is that success will be found in obedience. Success will be found in obedience. Verse 8 of this passage says this, Keep this book of the law on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So many people want to define success but let me give it to you plainly this morning. When we obey, we succeed. Period, the end. We can never miss it if we are being obedient to what God has asked of us. So in this verse, verse 8, I love because I think it gives us some practical of what does this look like for me? How do I find obedience and, and how can I find success? And it's this, is first we have to proclaim it. If not centered on the very words of God, nothing we do in loving others will be sustained. We can try to do it in our own strength, but it's always going to fall short. The program, you know, whatever it looks like physically, it will not be sustained unless it is centered on God.
God's word. Proclaim it. We sang a song, it's your breath in my lungs. Church, do you realize when we sing that, when we are declaring, we are saying, the very breath that I'm breathing is a gift from the creator of the universe. Which means for all of us, if that's the breath that's inside of me, I've got a responsibility to do something about it. Scripture says it's appointed once for man to die. We all have a timeline that we're living on and we can either choose to waste moments, to miss opportunities of obedience, and we can choose to pursue world success or we can choose to be obedient to what God's word says and we will find all the success we need. Scripture is the eternal word of God. It does not change. You need a definition for what your na- who your neighbor is, where is injustice in the world, how I can be a part of it, right here. Biblical justice. Ask God, God, what am I to do? Because he speaks very clearly. Then we have to meditate on it. It says meditate on it day and night. Because church, times will get tough. You will face mountains. You will go through a drought. You will step foot into the fire. You're going to hit trials. So be encouraged. You know, the only way we can find joy in the midst of our trials is to have the word of God so deep inside of us that when the enemy's trying to attack, when we don't understand what's going on, we come back to the very foundation of what gives us every definition, every bit of guidance we ever need. But if we're looking for for guidance and the voice in social media and in the news channels and whatever else the world is putting out, we're always going to be discouraged. We're never going to have the faith to fight when we need to. We're never going to have the ability to be strong and courageous of which God has called us to be. See, when we meditate on God's word, we can begin to turn down the noise of this world and turn up the voice of God because it is within us. I love what it says here. Do everything written in it. You want to know what obedience is? Do everything that's written in it. Now, I told last service, you know, you may have different feelings. I'm not telling you cut out shellfish and, you know, I'm not. If the Lord's speaking that to you, do it, you know. But the totality of Scripture, what is God's mandate for my life? And how can I follow it? How can I find success? It's by being obedient. But can I tell you, when you really begin to dive into God's word, when you begin to proclaim it, when you begin to meditate on it day and night, when you begin to follow everything that's in there, it's a dangerous and an uncomfortable place. It's not for the faint of heart. We look at the New Testament. When Jesus came, he began to teach and it made people uncomfortable. Let us not be found like the really smart people at that time who were religious leaders and and leaders in the law. And they missed the Messiah, the Son of God who came to save the world. They missed him because they were more consumed with what society at that time and culture at that time was deeming right and wrong than they were to, to hear the voice of the Lord. God is speaking to us. The time is now. He will not forsake us or abandon us, but we must pursue obedience to find success and make a difference in the world the way he intends. There is injustice in our world. God tells us to do something about it. We find in scripture, he says, love your neighbor. 
We find in scripture, he says, seek justice. We find in scripture, he says, encourage the oppressed. We find in scripture, defend the weak. He gives us everything we need. He says, love the orphan, love the widow. We have so many mandates that we're missing because we're so consumed with everything else in our life. And it is plain and simple for what God is asking us to do. To step out, to be strong and courageous. Know that God is with you and trust that success is found in obedience to his word. So I want to give you just a few practical things, I believe. And these are pulled from Dr. Dukasin as as we're exploring these dividing lines. And let me tell you, those dividing lines look so different for everybody. I don't want to tell you exactly what they are. I mean, we we could spend all day just talking about all the dividing lines and all the injustice in this world. And we still probably wouldn't be done. But I believe if we're asking God, he'll reveal where we're supposed to be a part of. If we're looking inside our heart in the deep, dark places, we can begin to gain clarity in that. But I think these are four practical things we can do. And the first is learn to listen. Listen to your neighbor. That may actually be that you got to introduce yourself to your neighbor. And that's figuratively and physically, okay? That you have to engage in a conversation so that you can listen. And then take that opportunity not to give your your stance on things. Learn. Because you know what? We can learn from everyone around us. I learn from my kids on a daily basis. Sometimes it's lessons of patience. Sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's encouraging and having joy and finding joy in the small things. We can learn from everyone around us. Grow in your understanding. One of, one of I think, my life mandate, I always want to keep learning and growing. Why? Because when I stop growing, it's time for me to breathe my last breath. I don't want to ever stop growing. And then the fourth is this, is to engage, which comes with our obedience. That God can give us the strength and courage to step out and do what he's asking us to do. Church, I, I want to close and just invite everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. We do this each and every week because regardless of what we're talking about, we gather so that people can come to know Jesus. None of this change, none of this stepping out and being obedient and trusting God, none of it matters if we don't have a relationship with him. That's the first step that we need to take. So if you're here today, you're tuning in online, you just say, Pastor, I, I, need, to, I need Jesus in my life. We're all gonna pray this prayer and I want you to join with us today. So if you'll repeat after me, dear Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Help me to follow you. Help me to serve you. Help me to love you me to love others. In Jesus' name. Amen.